jinkies. Oh, what's that gross book made out of skin? It's not a book. It's a tome made out of skin. Ew. What's it say? Behold the collected apocrypha of Stacy Ponder, the writer for Final Girl. And Anthony Hudson, the programmer for Queer Horror. And together they are... Oh my god! Don't read it out loud! Don't read it out loud! Gay of Here we are! Oh yeah, we're cruising down, <laughs> cruising down Gaylord's Interstate, going to going to Why? visit some uh, rural Americana, man. I got my Skinner and my spliff. I got my tank top on. You got your white tank top. I'm ready to go. Here's the thing. Last week when we talked about us, we talk about a movie where we say, oh, what does this mean? And I think this metaphor was this and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> this week we're talking about three movies that don't mean shit. <laughs> three movies that have no content whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, they're just, uh, I mean, I guess they're junk food. You know, it's it's somewhere adjacent to like a, a black licorice or a um a chiclet. I'm uh, trying what? to think of gross candy. <laughs> like... oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes a gross candy is good. Sometimes, yeah. like uh, you know, I made so okay. When I lived Uh-oh. in LA, a friend of mine and I went to a concert, an outdoor concert. And we were like, let's get wasted. <laughs> we, bought, we bought like a bunch of beer and Triscuits and Easy Cheese. And oh. because I was drunk, you know, before too long, I was like wicked buzzed. The Easy Cheese and the Triscuits were like the greatest thing I've ever eaten in my oh, life. Oh, that, that shit's dank, man. Yeah. And so then uh, one time a friend came over and I was like, man, we got to get Easy Cheese and Triscuits. Because let me tell you. It is he- heaven, for, heaven for your mouth. And then you blew it's, a chef's kiss. And yeah, I, I really did. And uh, so we bought it. And when you're not buzzed, it was, I mean, <laughs> cheese in a can <laughs> on a cardboard cracker with too on much a, seasoning. Yeah, on a piece of cardboard. Like <laughs> it was a terrible mistake. Like, cheese should not come in a can. Do you know what I mean? Like, there are certain vessels for certain foods and drinks. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I think it's very important that the, the youth especially continue to play with toys that illustrate which vessel goes best with which uh, <laughs> yeah. dressing or, or dip or cheese item. Right. Like, on the one hand, I say play by your own rules. On the other hand, if you give me, like, a mug full of lasagna... <laughs> I'll be upset. And actually, don't let anyone in Portland or our Portland here know because that sounds like yeah. a food cart upstart. Like, it have really you been does. to have you been to mug of lasagna? <laughs> lasagna mug a lot. Yeah. There is such that is such a sad concept. Is just sober easy cheese. It really is. I have also had sober White Castle. And I don't oh. recommend that. I don't recommend that either. Yeah. See, I've only done that after conventions when I'm like just dead inside and like already stoned. So yeah, you have to be dead inside for one reason or another. Yeah. But if you're wow. just like loving your life and you remember that time you were completely wasted and you got White Castle and you're like, why don't we eat White Castle all the time? It's so good. 
and then you go get it and you're like oh yeah (laughs) this is why (laughs) this is why yeah so the point is (laughs) it's very much like that (laughs) these movies to me are like drunken easy cheese like i know they're not good now in the cold harsh light of day i know that they're not good but in the moment, I'm like, this isn't good, but I'm enjoying it. <laughs> yes. Absolutely, absolutely the same. I had I had some, my opinions shifted from what I expected going into this. Um, in that I loved a, one of these movies. I was really, like, just not here for another. And then, well, another one was fine. <laughs> I think uh, my opinions... They changed only in that I'm like, I think I'm good with all three of these. Like, I don't ever need to see any of these movies again. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. You know, well, one of my one of my opinions <laughs> dropped. I will say that for one of them. God, I'm so interested to see where we land. I feel like we're going to land on the same page. Okay. I've, I'm guessing. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but not to keep listeners in suspense anymore, I guess. The film we're guess... talking about. <laughs> 2003 remake of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, starring Jessica Beale as the final girl with like hair that's brown and just past her shoulders, and she wears a white tank top. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're talking about. Um, Wrong Turn, which is also from 2003, starring Eliza Dushku as the final girl who's got brown hair that's like just past her shoulders and she wears a white tank top. Oh, okay. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And then the 2005, technically it's a remake, I suppose, of House of Wax. Technically. (laughs) Starring Alicia Cuthbert as the final girl who has brown hair that's just past her shoulders and she wears a white tank top. It's the White Tank Top Trilogy, everybody. Mm-hmm. There is a theme here. <laughs> I love that that's what connected these movies for us. <laughs> <laughs> Any excuse we can come up with. Although, ultimately, thematically, they all kind of are the same film, <laughs> to some extent. Pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> um, I don't know. I w- it was interesting to watch them because I haven't watched them in forever. Yes. Like forever. Yeah, I don't think I'd seen Wrong Turn or Texas Chainsaw since their like release and like more or less. It's been a long time. And House of Wax I had I had only seen bits of when it first came out. Well, uh what what did you think, I guess? What's just down the docket here? Just down a docket. Like what's your what's your hot and heavy uh instant reaction? My instant reaction is, wow, I really liked House of Wax for what it is. <laughs> and I was surprised by that. Um, wrong turn. I was kind of like, you know, I remember this movie being really good and really gross. And I was like, it's really gross. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> uh, wrong turn was the one that dropped for for me. Um, actually, it was kind of both Wrong Turn and Texas Chainsaw. Like Texas Chainsaw especially, I did. I saw a lot less redeeming qualities to that movie. For sure, um, yeah. That was the hardest watch through for me, and it it was the, it took the longest for me to get through it. Mm-hmm. Um, Wrong turn, I thought was just fine, and like I I don't I just I remembered Eliza Dushku getting to do more, and so I was kind of let down by that. Yeah. Uh, so I was I was really surprised that like I was like kind of pretty much here for House of Wax, and then Wrong Turn was just below that, and then Texas Chainsaw was way further down on yeah, my list. Same. Same. Yeah, it's interesting how they and and then I 
well, I mean, this is a whole thing that, that we can talk about, but I was really interested how House of Wax, I think, got so maligned um, because it stars one Paris Hilton. Oh, God. Who really, actually, I mean, we say the White Tank Talk trilogy is why we chose this, but really we chose this because we started talking about how much we love Paris Hilton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah! I realized we should have done House of Wax and Nine Lives. I forget about Nine Lives all the time that she's in. Jason last night was rambling about why aren't we covering Nine Lives as well. <laughs> so. I think we'll have to. And fuck it, maybe we'll do House of Wax again or something. Because... I'm always uh, down to do that. <laughs> I love Paris Hilton. And I love that she's in House of Wax. And I hate it when people hate on her because you know what? If you watch House of Wax and you get your head out of your ass for a second, you'll see that Paris Hilton is actually super duper charming in House of Wax. She is great in it. And she has a great character. Like she's not in a yep. lot of the film, but she plays a good friend. Yes. And like... Literally opening scene. I was in Stacy. I was fucking in when she's like her friend Alicia Cuthbert is like trying to to go to New York because she just got an internship at In Style Magazine. <laughs> I love it. Which we were all trying to get that internship circa two thousand five, <laughs> and and she's like kind of backing out of it. And Paris is like, "No, you're going to New York. You're gonna live your dream." And is like making her find apartments. Yeah, like. I fucking loved her. She was a queen. Yeah, she was a also, great friend. That hair has bounce. <laughs> it was bouncing and behaving throughout it the was. whole movie. Yeah, I wrote down. Imagine a movie where Paris Hilton is the final girl. Mm. I would much. I mean, right? I Elisha Cuthbert was pretty great in the movie. I like her. Um, but I want, I want a Paris Hilton final girl. I mean, that kind of character never gets to be the final girl you know what i mean like the only movie and this is a spoiler so everybody don't listen if you don't care and anthony you don't listen if you don't care but there's a, a movie called zombievers <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah you told me about this which is like zombie beavers hence the name the portmanteau of a name. oh i get it i get it now yeah and there's a character that while I was watching Zombievers, I was like, damn it, man, I wish that character could be the final girl. That kind of character is never the final girl. And guess what? That character was the final girl for like the first and only time. The obvious final girl, like the one that's telegraphed, didn't make it to the end. And this other girl did. And I was so happy that Zombievers is the one that subverts the fucking trope. <laughs> Of all movies, it's Zombievers. I love Zombievers. I can't wait to... We should do an episode about that. I can't wait. It's terrible. But the zombie beavers are like puppets. Are they cute? Yeah. And so oh. if you have an actor giving it their all while they're fighting a zombie <laughs> beaver puppet, like, I'm in. Also, I mean, just the fact that a horror movie does that switch that's so subversive and so unheard of <laughs> which is yeah. which is, really is shocking is. that it comes from that movie i love that yeah um yeah with this it's so that's the thing i kept thinking about with house of wax was how good paris is in it how good of a friend she is in it and and just like how shitty it is that actually when we look at the long run of horror and i mean this is one redeeming quality of like of later in eras horror criticism is that we can look back at movies and be like, oh, well, actually, maybe let's look at this in a different light. Um, yes. But it seems like House of Wax was so maligned and so, like, kind of, 
laughed at in the horror community and and like was the one that I hadn't really seen of these three films. I think because of Paris Hilton's presence in it and because the misogyny around her image and and Oh yeah. The biggest takeaway was like it's great because you get to watch Paris Hilton get killed. Like that's what people yes. wanted. And I, I do think that even even the director buys into that because like her death scene is the most brutal and like um or it's not the most brutal but like it the camera lingers the most on like the killer pushing her head down the pole and jason said when he saw it in the theater the whole audience cheered at that part yeah and i'm just like that's fucking gross man (laughs) it really is yeah it's literally like let's watch this woman who we don't like because she's on tv and has money let's watch her die like and cheer yeah and especially like looking back and like looking at where TV is now and where reality people are now, like she seems so harmless, <laughs> like oh, extra harm. Like I've always loved her. I loved The Simple Life. Like I've always oh, been so I've, good. I've always been a Paris Hilton fan. Um, well, and what people? Oh, sorry. Oh no, I was just gonna say, but like compared to what we have now, like it's, I don't know. It just it wasn't that bad. <laughs> yeah no like it's it was just reality tv about about two amazing women just being hilarious together yeah like and that's why people hated it because Mm -hmm. it was femmes being femmes of themselves and like what so many people don't realize is that they were playing characters and they were actually told to play characters on that show right like yeah. it was shockingly reality tv is not real <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah and we like didn't that's know what i that love at about... the time though we didn't know it all seemed so genuine <laughs> that's what i love about paris though really is that like she also she like puts on this image mm-hmm. um but she's like a brilliant businesswoman and a super hard worker Mm-hmm. and i don't know when she people... doesn't have to be like let's be real you know no she has she's a fucking heiress she doesn't need to be yeah that's the thing like people give her shit for being an heiress and doing all this stuff but it's like okay if she was like same with julia louis dreyfus like she's a super rich wealthy heiress like actually worth way more than paris um, yeah she works her ass off mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like they don't need to right or she could just paris hilton could just still be doing like you know i have conflicted feelings about the kardashians <laughs> i uh yeah because on the one hand i think like oh look what they've they've made something out of kind of nothing really they've you know commodified themselves to this day but they're just so insidious and they've done so many shitty things and just they've changed the landscape for the worse i think overall yeah i i i think it doesn't help that like they're in cahoots with both <laughs> with caitlin jenner trump and kanye <laughs> like, yeah, and oj simpson <laughs> like, and oj simpson yeah it's an unholy <laughs> trinity right there it's a rogues gallery you know when you put it all together um, that said my favorite thing about the kardashians was selma blair playing chris jenner in people versus oj <laughs> <so>. yeah <laughs> So uh, I, yeah. I just, I don't know. I need more Paris Hilton. I told you about my favorite. The Paris Hilton conspiracy theory is the only conspiracy theory that I subscribe to wholeheartedly. I I am a subscriber to this red string now as well. Like, and that is, listeners, if you don't know the Paris Hilton conspiracy theory, it is that Paris Hilton secretly restores antique radios in her spare time. <laughs> and she's a big radio enthusiast and, like, has ham radios and 
goes shit like goes to conventions incognito yeah and to purchases radio parts and like looks radio. at stuff yeah <laughs> There's like Evan. There's you know people who have seen her supposedly at these things, and it's probably all a crack of shit. But I love it, and I wholeheartedly believe it. So you know, I completely believe it too. And and you can see in the in this actress that can, and this businesswoman that does, uh, as demonstrated by her work, and and as demonstrated in her work in the film House of Wax, that there's a lot more going on than people give her. There is. There, she's so. what the niece of Kim and Kyle Richards, right? Uh, fuck yeah! And rumor has it she's trying to get on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills now to join Kyle. I mean, don't the universe cannot tease me in that fashion? I know, right? I'm like Denise Richards <laughs> and Paris Hilton yeah. and Lisa Rinna in the same room. <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> I just fainted. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, we love So that's Paris House Hilton. of Wax. <laughs> yeah, that's House of Wax for you. Paris Hilton haters get out. That's what I say. That's I um, I 100% agree. So that's our Paris disclaimer. Y'all can suck it if you don't like it. And <laughs> yeah. House of Wax, I actually, I had a blast watching this movie. It's stupid. Um, but I really enjoyed it. And in terms of like the post-scream to mid 2000 slashers uh which kind of petered out and gave way to torture porn um i thought this was one of the funner entries honestly yeah it's ludicrous i mean it's a dark castle so it's got that sort of fun house vibe to it a little bit yep. um i mean it's a house made of wax <laughs> it's <laughs> right? like it's ludicrous it's a fake town they end up stranded in a fake town and the House of Wax Museum is literally made out of wax. And there are twins, like, they were conjoined, and then they were separated, and they're, like, murdering people and coating them in wax. In order to, to keep up the work of their, their dead uh, wax sculptor mother, Trudy Sinclair. <laughs> <laughs> the great Trudy Sinclair. I just Who- love it. It's ludicrous. Like, it's a completely ludicrous film. But it's and it's fun. It's fun. Those set piece, the set pieces are so good and so imaginative. Yeah. Like, like the Dark Castle thing. Like, didn't they also do Thirteen Ghosts and Yeah, they did all the like updates yeah. of the William Castle shit, House on Haunted Hill. Yeah, and and it's just like all of those films. They all have these insane set pieces, and most a lot of the time they like don't work. I mean, like like Thirteen Ghosts. I actually kind of love that movie, but like, why is the house like a glass robot that's always spinning and change? <laughs> like, what the fuck is going yeah, on? Why does the house on Haunted Hill have the room full of cogs and it's, yeah. and it's fifty stories high? You know, well, like Lionsgate had to keep it somewhere. Lionsgate Stacey. gave them fun. It was product placement, basically. Yeah. <laughs> So, but yeah, they don't, they're, they're not, uh, your straightforward slasher movie or haunting movie or whatever, but they're fun. And especially for that time period, they're fun. And it's, it's just so funny how they always had to be the weirdest fucking environment. Um, and in House of Wax, I was like, really, as, as we get to the house, I was like, really, it's all wax. Like, this is the concept. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but it pays off in so in a great final set piece with it and like 
I was really won over by the setting. I I love yeah. this like this Disneyland simulacra town, like yes. that, and, and the House of Wax itself, and how literally everything is wax in it. Like even the piano, which doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and yeah. the beds, like you're sleeping on hard wax. Okay, maybe that's yeah. why you keep killing people. But... <laughs> yeah, and the whole town is like. 30s art deco looking like the design is really cool yeah it's it's, it's original it's original yeah the little animatronic puppies in the window and like it's it's just it's really fun um so i i was really won over if by nothing else by paris and that setting was just lovely and that that climactic set use of that set piece of the entire house like on fire and everything melting and i guess they used peanut butter for a lot of those sequences so like when they're slipping in the bed it's peanut butter um and everything is just like sticky and melty and waxy and gross and it is such a cool final scene (laughs) yeah i really i was really entertained by it yeah. I like that the final pair is a brother and sister. Yeah! Like, you don't get to see that dynamic very often uh, to make it to the end of the film. It's and a, the brother it's starts final out... siblings. Yeah, final siblings. The brother starts out as a super douche, and they're like, why are you taking him along? And the whole audience is like, why are you taking along TV's Chad Michael Murray from One Tree Hill? <laughs> like, exactly. But it's... It's, uh, it's really lovely seeing those two work together. I do have to say... Homegirl, that brother is gay, right? They were so gay. Oh my god, him and his friend, right? Him and Dalton, like they. Him and yeah, from 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 Scary Movie, the boyfriend from Scary yeah. Movie. Yeah, absolutely. I was like, okay, they. There is so. I don't know if it's the director. I mean, it is the director of. Oh shit! What else is this guy? He did Orphan, and then he, he did, did Orphan. Um, oh, and The Shallows, which actually I love I The ha- Shallows. I haven't seen The Shallows. I really want to though. Oh, we're going to have to do a Shark Week episode. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Blake Lively is a queen. I love love The Shallows. I love Blake Lively. Uh, Okay, so if you love... Okay, I'm going to be the movie trailer. If you love Blake Lively, and if you love (laughs) seagulls named Steven, have I got a film for you. (laughs) The Shallows in theaters this week. I'm sold. It's literally... It's just Blake Lively talking to a seagull for two hours. Um... (laughs) It's spectacular. But, uh, yeah, I, I feel like this director or somebody was gay because the tension between those two, whether they're like, what, like, he's recording everybody making out and then he goes up to Chad Michael Murray and he's like, I'm not going to kiss you. And then they kind of giggle with each other. Mm-hmm. Or when, when they're Pee both peeing together mm-hmm. and very visibly looking at each other's junk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, or when he was like, well... I guess Wade's okay, but do you like me or whatever in the car? And then after after Dalton dies and the brother finds him dead, he's like really emotional looking at his body and then like mm-hmm. breaks his head off because he had been decapitated before he was waxed and then like cries over it. Mm-hmm. And his sister like knows how much it hurts him. They was they were gay for each other, I think. I rest my case. <laughs> yeah. No, for sure. Absolutely. Because I watching these movies, I'm like, God, this was the time period when it was just all like straight white people in movies. Yeah, it, 
It was before, like, uh, studios started getting equity committees that were like, you have to put at least one person that isn't white (laughs) or straight in your film. Yeah, so House of Wax came along, and I was like, well, at least there's a black dude. And then I was like, there's this little little undertone, isn't there? Hmm. There, Hmm. I would argue it's an overtone, but... Because with every scene, I was like, it was an undertone, and then it was a midtone, and then it was an extremely... <laughs> and then it was a klaxon blaring. It, yeah, it was just the, the the siren in Silent Hill. Like, yeah. it was... <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was nice to see sister and gay brother fighting together in mm-hmm. peanut butter. <laughs> yeah, and it's got it's got some serious gore and violence in it okay Uh, like they put their final girl through it which never really happens except for maybe like the original texas chainsaw massacre yeah yeah she and she endures a lot she endures yeah i love i love when he cuts her finger off her the tip of her finger it's really gross and then her brother comes down and rescues her and like unstraps her and then she immediately has created like a bandage and like a, a tiny cast for her finger <laughs> yeah <laughs> out of her white tank top in like one second <laughs> she's the final girl she can get shit done yeah she and she does and she does but Stacey. the gore it's like oh what go ahead oh no keep talking about the gore because that's where i was going oh well i was just gonna say the the gore in these three movies it's like such an interesting time period to look back on uh-huh because it's like post nineties, uh, which you know, the the like the nineties horror films were kind of made for a different market. It feels like, you know, yeah. they were aimed at a different audience. They didn't have a lot of the overt gore in it at all. It was all fresh faced youths you probably recognize from like the CW or something. Yeah. Um, and then it was like horror fans were kind of gatekeeping at that point. And I will admit, like, I fell to that because I, that, I wasn't in the target audience for those films either. I was a little bit older. Um, and so there was some kind of gatekeep, like, this isn't horror. Like, like horror can only be one thing. And so like, it's the, it's like teeny bopper horror. Yeah. It's like teeny bopper horror basically. And I think if all of those movies actually had the gore that was implied, I think the reaction to them would have been a lot different because so many of them absolutely are just like slasher movies from the early eighties. They just don't have the violence. Yeah. You know? Um, and they tried to do original things and well, whatever, but it's like, you have that era of horror and then you have like September 11th and you have Columbine and all of these things. And then immediately after that, you get into like horror is back and everything is super violent. And it's almost like we, it's like all of a sudden these movies are about how much the characters suffer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's, it's like we're not even into torture porn yet like that kind of started with saw which was 2004 but these yeah. movies are like we're gonna watch these characters get their fingers cut off and they're it's not even like violence but they're just gonna do gross things like they're gonna fall into a big pool of rotting body parts and it's so yeah. gross <laughs> 
you know and so we just it's everything is really like unsanitary and filthy and just all the characters whether they survive to the end or not they all have to suffer in some way and it's like it's just really interesting that that's what audiences were craving at the time there's always a gross pool of viscera. Like, yeah, yeah. Or in, like, in House of Wax, there's that roadkill pit that she falls into. Yeah, which has nothing to do with anything. It's just gross. Yeah, yeah, that's just a, a misdirection on the part of, well, until you get to that twist ending, which serves no purpose whatsoever. <laughs> yeah yeah or there's like jars full of gross things or like both texas chainsaw and wrong turn it's like you go in the house and even house of wax to some extent here's a jar full of buttholes (laughs) 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 oh you've been to my house I've i've been to your i've seen your collection yeah i will say stacy if you ever find me encased in wax and you start peeling at my face to release me and you start seeing blood and muscle matter underneath please don't continue to keep peeling oh okay stop Stop okay could you just stop the second you see some blood don't keep peeling why does he keep peeling (laughs) till like his jaws come off (laughs) what the fuck yeah it's just i don't know it's like slasher movies even the early slasher movies it was like character gets killed and that's it they're dead yeah. And then all of a sudden, it's like America especially took a darker turn. Do you and- think it is the c- being confronted with the reality of 9-11 and, like, you know, the stories of people and picking, like, you know, the cleanup and, like, because we were kind of, as a country, swimming in guts, like... Kind of. And I don't know, also, I will say this, I don't know why I'm so much more forgiving of the French doing these same things and to even greater extremes but when it's a french film even if it's like high tension i'm like no it means something and here's why they did it and blah 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 blah. it's it's foreign it's a french film it's thoughtful it's got subtitles it makes me think (laughs) it makes me think i have to read and high tension was also 2003 same year as wrong turn and texas chainsaw yeah um and it is interesting that the new french extremity sort of developed alongside this like in american in american culture it became like these more extreme slashers that then turned into torture porn right um and then when we get to texas chainsaw i mean it's like basically just torture porn uh and it's in it's so weird that they developed alongside each other um but so differently and there is something like i love it i can watch inside forever yeah, uh, and that movie is like fucking disgusting. But it's, yeah. there's something yeah. that's way different about that, or even Frontiers. There's something that seems so different, even though it's just as gross. Yeah, and characters suffer just as much. It's not maybe more. the wallowing. Is it just like the amount of wallowing in it? I don't know what it. I don't is. know what it is. It just, but it just feels like it has something to say whereas something like i mean even like wolf creek was what 2005 yeah and i'm like i I can't do that one no i try i tell friends like who kind of like horror movies i'm like you know i'm not into watching people suffer i'm not into super gore blah 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 but then i can rattle off like five french films and i'm like oh i fucking love it oh you guys want to watch martyrs what's going on (laughs) but that's the thing is like i think that's the that might be the difference is like martyrs is poetic and artistic martyrs i mean that's in its own category for sure 
like inside is not um not but it's also it's also weirdly uh haunting and beautiful in its own way with i mean just the the sheer presence of that actress with the scissors yeah beatrice doll i was gonna say yeah, they're beatrice casting Be- they're casting beatrice doll in their films and we're casting like i don't even know who eliza dushku who like yeah i yeah. loved i loved her as faith on buffy but oh that was my the, first no <laughs> you know but at the same time she has 1.5 facial expressions and probably the most painful part of wrong turn is watching her try so very hard to cry <laughs> oh my like god three points in the film she tries <laughs> so hard and nothing is coming out of her eyeballs and they leave it in because they didn't film any other takes <laughs> yeah there's just nothing. She's dry as a bone, you know. Listen, that said, Faith was really fucking cool. And Faith was the it, best. Like that's why I, everybody honestly, loves Elizabeth too, you know. Like I remember Wrong Turn being a little bit better than how I felt about it this time, yeah. um, but I think I just conflated my love for Faith with my enjoyment of Wrong Turn and my memory of it. Yeah. Well, I think at the time that it came out, like, it was a really important film for, like, me and where I was in my life, which is weird. Yeah. No, yeah, I I loved it when I first saw it. At the time, like, horror on the big screen, like, we had had a kind of a lull after, like, the Scream era died down. Yeah. There was kind of a, a low point, a lull where there wasn't much happening. And then here's Wrong Turn, and it's completely original. It's not a remake of anything. It's not crazy, frenetic jump cuts. and all. Like, it has an old school vibe to it in that they show it the does. violence. They don't cut away from things. And it's gnarly. It's really gnarly. And at the time, I think it was not revolutionary, but it was a nice throwback. Also, like, at that point, um, what year was Hills Have Eyes, the remake of that? That was, oh, that was after High Tension. Yeah. It was like so, 2005, maybe. Yeah. So like, we ha- also hadn't been like beat over the heads with like all the wrong turn sequels and yeah. Hills Have Eyes and those sequels and like this like inbred mutant thing. Right. And yes. these guys in wrong turn are kind of creepy. <laughs> like they are like <laughs> Snagglepuss and T-Boz and whatever the fuck their names are. <laughs> I wrote um, inbred redneck Bigfoot. <laughs> like, they yeah, were... I love that in the opening credits. It's like here's a a photograph of you know a medical condition, and the music is like oh. boy, it's like somebody oh. with a cleft palate, and it's like wow. Like we're supposed to be so scared of somebody with a cleft palate. Like it's, it's just so, so weird. It's so weird, and and it's it's like borders on like the Sentinel, but luckily in this, it's not real people that they're parading yes. out. It's makeup yes. effect, great makeup effects by Stan Winston. Yes, uh, but yeah, it's it, that whole vibe to me. Even Hills Have Eyes and all that. It's like why are we why are we picking on people that are structurally fucked up because of american failure (laughs) like right well why are we saying that those people would turn into crazy cannibals and like like i said a couple episodes back we all have seen the favorite now that's what actually happens when you inbreed is you end up olivia (laughs) coleman like (laughs) going nuts and unable to move you're not like a masterful killer who's scaling trees (laughs) While going whoop 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 wh
crouching cuckoo hidden fucking nutso up in the trees yeah. like <laughs> hopping from treetop to treetop with their bows and arrows okay i wished goofy was one of them like <laughs> it's like actually they just don't have any teeth yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's the truth. You know, but it's like, I think wrong turn. And also for the time, it's simple. It's a simple plot that's done well for what it is. Well, and I was, I was talking about this with Jason and like what set, because he was like, oh, where did you fall with the movies? Like you asked me in the beginning. And like what set this apart from Texas Chainsaw and why I didn't like that movie this on this rewatch was like wrong turn is still at its heart, just a slasher. Yes. Yep. Like we get some of the growth. It almost goes into torture territory. Um, I like the scene where they have to hide while their friend is getting chopped up. I remember that being way more brutal than what we actually see. Mm-hmm. Um, and other than that, like it's still just a a, a throwback to old slashers, just right. with like with three weird goofy movie killers. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like it it at the time, especially in two thousand three, that was really refreshing. It wasn't yeah. it wasn't meta. It wasn't playing with the rules. It was just like, here's a simple story. And sometimes just kids going where they shouldn't and, you know, paying a price they shouldn't have to pay is entertaining. I do yeah. feel like I'm done with it now. Like, we've come a long way in the fucking 15 plus years, which is insane to me that that's mm-hmm. the number of years. But it's been like 15 plus years since it came out. Mm-hmm. And I just, I think I'm done with it now. I don't think it's a bad movie. I just feel like it doesn't feel the same way that it did when it came out. And I'm I'm good with it. Yeah, it's just fine. It's It doesn't feel revolutionary. Uh, it's not, it's not gross enough to be too gross. And it's not, um, it, it doesn't freak me out like it did when it first came out. When I was like, oh, look at these guys making spooky sounds and look at their friend getting chopped up, you know? Right. So, but that said, my lingering question, why, if you're getting over a breakup, do your friends round up everybody you know and care about and decide to take you out to backwoods West Virginia? (laughs) 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 What what oversight? They were were like big hikers. It's not like the descent where it's like, oh, this is a thing that they do. This is how they bond. They're all outdoorsy. It's like... You can't tell me that what's-her-face, the friend, Dominique Chicri or whatever her name was. Uh-huh. You can't Who... tell me that she wants to go hiking. Like, <laughs> where were they also, going? <laughs> also, I loved her. I thought she was great. So I just wanted to do a queen shout-out no, to her. No, I think, yeah, I think Wrong Turn is one of the rare cases where all of the minor characters are way more interesting and fun than the two leads. Oh yeah, I was rooting for her the whole way. It was I was really sad when she got her head axed in the mouth and Yeah, and Jeremy Sisto too. I always love him. Yeah, Jeremy Sisto's great. He got to act with Brittany Murphy. Like we right. all love him. Yeah, we all love him uh, just by proxy, you know. Also, but... how weird that Kevin Zegers and uh who oh god, I don't remember her name, but she's she's Lindy got the Booth. dyed red hair. Lindy Booth. They were the same couple in the Dawn of the Dead remake. Yes. Yep. Which is like, what? What Was that just in their writer? Like, did they have <laughs> yeah, to... they just were always a couple. Be cast as young lovers with questionable sunglasses? Like, what? <laughs> yeah. But, the, yeah, the two leads are just... I mean, I love Eliza Dishku. I recognize her limitations. 
Yeah. And then the other guy, that was another read of mine with this was, it was interesting that they were like a final pair, also like House of Wax. Right. Um, Her and Desmond Harrington. But like, he didn't do, like, his the extent of his character was like, I have, I'm a doctor and I have to get to my interview on time. Right. Like, yeah. that was it. Like, and he just limps around and, like, helps her get through windows. Like, I didn't understand. <laughs> yeah. I didn't understand his point, uh, the point of him being there. Like, did they just realize that Eliza Dushku couldn't cry and they needed somebody else just in case? Like, I just, don't Not that he had, he had maybe two facial expressions as well. Yeah. yeah and, they... and they didn't end up a couple at the end, which was good because she had just broken nice. up with somebody, like, two days before. So that would have been unrealistic but it's like you could have gotten rid of one or the other of them i think yeah yeah he he should have died and and i wanted to see her go and burn down everybody every redneck's house at that point yeah (laughs) yeah i did appreciate how polite he was he was a very polite person that's true yeah (laughs) you don't see that very often i i admire politeness they say chivalry is dead yeah (laughs) so wrong turn you're still good. You don't feel as fresh as you did in 2003. But then who among us is as fresh as we were in 2003? Not me. I know I'm, I'm a not. desiccated corpse. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of desiccated corpses, the final film in the trilogy here, also from 2003, The Texas Chainsaw Mascara. Uh, <laughs> now this one... As I watched it, I said to myself, did I really used to like this? Same. And then Same. I and then I looked at Jessica Beale and I was like, yes, you did. Yeah, you did. Here's and... the thing. <laughs> Jessica Beale is fucking perfection. Yeah. She's great. I love her in everything. That's all I can say for this movie. <laughs> <laughs> this movie is not good. It's not good. I, I'm shocked because this was the one I was the most ready to go back to. Um, ah. and, and that's why I saved it for last. Because oh. I figured House of Wax, you know, I, I thought House of Wax was going to be terrible. And Wrong Turn, I was like, meh. I, I, I remember really liking it, so I wasn't expected to be bad to be bad or whatever. But Texas Chainsaw, I remembered it being good, and I remembered it like grossing me out enough that I didn't watch it multiple times. I just remembered really liking the ending a lot and thinking Jessica Biel was great. I remember liking it, but I watched it first in these three, and I watched House of Wax last because I remember having a lot of fun with House of Wax, and Texas Chainsaw was the one I was worried about it not holding up, and sure enough... It was the least for me, yeah. It was the least for me. So by the time you got to House of Wax, were you capable of sparking joy? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I took took breaks in between. Yeah. I definitely took breaks in between, but... And plus, I was excited for Paris Hilton. I'm not going to lie. Oh, you gotta be. I mean, maybe in in that order, it could be like a sweet release, right? But (laughs) for me, ending with Texas Chainsaw, I was just like, ugh. (laughs) I was glad to get over with. Because it was, I, I never loved it. But it was one of the remakes because we just got had so many remakes thrown at us during that time period. Yeah. And as far as remakes go... It's probably one of the better ones, even still. 
but it's not my feelings are not as fond as i remember them being for sure i remembered i remembered it being unique in its take on on this and and i think it it kind of is a bait and switch i think it it's unique in some aspects but they're just strictly surficial um and otherwise it's just a gross movie and i think this one is the one that's the most torture porny of the three like for sure it's it's got a cruel streak to it yeah it's just like every character has to suffer the sheriff's gonna make them face down in the dirt and torture them and you know it's like the thing is like i don't know how you feel about the original i love the original texas chainsaw massacre it's in my top 10 if not top five for sure i I think it's i think i mean i think it's extremely iconic um i think she is incredible in it uh i think um, it's really super gross and it's a movie that like makes me so uncomfortable that I don't like watching it. <laughs> but but I think um, it's scary. I think it's scary as heck. But I do it uh I kind of check out during the dinner scene. Yeah, it's too much. The famous dinner scene. Like that doesn't appeal to me at all. And I realize that this remake, like the whole thing is the dinner scene. That's exactly it. That's I mean, and the original, it's super effective, and that's why I don't want to watch it because it's just so effective and it's really iconic. Um, this, yeah, it does feel like just that dinner scene, and there's not. They take iconic things like Leatherface, but there's nothing that makes them interesting. Right, like, Leatherface in the original was interesting because he was conflicted about what he was doing, and he like he had more character in the original film where you don't know anything about him, versus all of these remakes and the remake sequels where they try to give him a backstory. And in this, the backstory is he has a skin disease. He has a skin disease. Oh, no. They literally, they. I love that scene when she's in the tra- the the lesbian tea trailer, and <laughs> and she, they literally just look at her and say two words skin disease <laughs> i was just dying again you know a skin disease will drive you crazy uh, Le- you, know. you know i have to i have to use a special shampoo and i also cut people's faces off if like... someone has eczema you better steer the fuck clear because they will <laughs> peel your skin off and put it on themselves oh give me your scalp <laughs> give me that scalp baby <laughs> They'll do it. This movie, I I knew I was in for a treat when it opened with, uh, like, was that also John Larroquette again? Yeah, I think so. I couldn't tell. And it was, like, found footage. And then then they cut away from the reveal, which I remembered that that ending. But then I was was even more confused because I'm like, why would you go back and have that reveal ending of the rest of the found footage when you've already established that Leatherface isn't dead? It was weird. Um... And then we get the setup of here's here's these shit teens. They're all hot. They're all sweaty, and they're in a hot, sweaty truck van, and they're driving. Listen to Skinnerd, man. And it's just like, oh god damn it. <laughs> well, that's how you know it's in the seventies. Like that's the thing is like Wrong Turn feels like a period film in the way that it's made and the way that it's constructed. And then you have Texas Chainsaw, which is like, it's the 70s, we swear. Look, they're talking about Leonard Skinner. Skinner, man. But it doesn't (laughs) feel like a 70s film. No, nothing feels 70s about it. Nothing feels 70s about it. And I knew, I was like, holy fucking shit. Really? This brought, brought me back to that time period in a really terrible way, is the fact that Harry Knowles has a fucking cameo in this film. Ew, does he? 
He's like a severed head at one oh point my, when they're oh in the house. Oh my god. Yeah. Well, so that god tells that. you all you need to know about Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2003. That's disgusting. I mean, yeah, that really does say it all. Yeah. I'm yeah. so glad that Harry Knowles is out of the scene. Um, yeah. yeah, I, I, it's so like they're all listening to Skinner. There's Lauren German shows up and pulls a gun out of her vagina and shoots herself. <laughs> Uh, I do not believe for a second that Jessica Beale is a straight edge Skinnerd fan hanging out with these who monsters. also did time in juvie apparently yeah. <laughs> like what her character just made no sense like at all and Laura German must be doing some fucking kegels if she had that gun shoved up her cooch the whole time she was walking down the highway it's just like, and that's the thing. It's like, oh well, maybe there's some. Maybe you could make that, and it's about trauma or something. I don't know, but like, it just felt exploitive and gross. Like, why is she? Right. Here's the shot of her reaching into her bloody thighs and pulling a gun out. Like, what? What? Yeah. 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 Well, that's the thing. In the original film, there's like no gore, basically. Yeah. The goriest part is where Leatherface accidentally cuts himself in the leg with his own chainsaw. Yeah. Like, that's the only explicit gore in that film. And it just, but it's so uncomfortable and sleazy feeling. And it was just all of these things that were just wrong. Like the scene where Pam is exploring the house and she falls into that room that's all the like bone sculptures and chicken uh-huh. feathers and the chickens in the cage and all that. And you're just like, what the fuck is going on? And then this one is like, just, it's also unsanitary. And there's like just stuff dripping <laughs> everywhere. And there's, here's my box full of fingers. Oh, here's my necklace made out of earlobes. It's just like, they just... <laughs> take it to this extreme that ends up being less disturbing because it's like all right you bought a 10 pack of fingers at halloween town and put them well in and yeah and then they do and they do that with the the sort of like wannabe freak showing of the cast of the family of the hewitt family yeah. um and it's like instead of actually having interesting characters they just create like the illusion of interesting characters by putting a bunch of weirdos on screen so right. we have like we have like wacky grandma that runs the convenience store. And then we have the tea truck, the tea trailer lesbians. And then we have weird fang overbite boy. And <laughs> yeah. Old Who's ma- just when- like, oh, look at him. He's dirty and he has weird teeth. Yeah. He hangs out in air ducts. What? <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then like grandpa in his wheelchair without his legs and his, his cane sticks. I, I, like, even was realizing, like, nothing sums up this era and this film better than a scene of an angry old hick in a wheelchair screaming, bring it, son, bring it! <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it just, it doesn't get the essence of the original film at all. No. God, I love the Jess- original. So Jessica Beale's great. She does the best she can. Right. Uh, she looks amazing she looks amazing um for being sweaty and in that sweaty (laughs) van with all those sweaty people for so long i really like erica learson i am a i really am a fan of hers i don't know why i think i just she left an impression on me in book of shadows blair witch 2 that hasn't (laughs) hasn't let up i really like her 
Um, yeah. Jonathan Tucker? Like, is a human spit machine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this film, everybody had boogers at some point. Like, snot running down their faces. And saliva everywhere. Like, it's just... I don't know. It and tries to just, get to you in a different way. Yeah, and it's just instead it just feels gross. Like it's Right. Uh, yeah. yeah. And that just became a thing in movies. Was like everything had to be dirty, the environment. Like in something like Wrong Turn, it kind of made sense that their house was gross, but also it didn't cuz it's like I don't know why do they have plates of rotting food? Like just cuz you <laughs> eat people doesn't mean you can't like Clean up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, come on. Leatherface <laughs> you know? has a sewing machine, right. and he, <laughs> yeah. he knows how to like make a tourniquet. So, like, I know that you can do better. <laughs> right. Well, that's the thing. Is the original was like this small farmhouse that looked kind of bucolic. It was out in the middle of nowhere, and there's a swimming hole out back. And then you get in the house, and you slowly realize, like, you don't. Like, Pam is just checking it out, and then she finds that room, which is disturbing, but not in a, like, obvious kind of way. It's like, who's mm-hmm. got a chicken in a fucking cage in this weird room? You know what I mean? Whereas this one, yeah. it's like, you know immediately that it's not right. Because, It's like you know, Jack Nicholson in The Shining. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just all in from the get-go. It's all in from the get-go. It's this, like why is it like a plantation mansion out in the middle of a field like like a cement plantation man like i couldn't like what is that house yeah. <laughs> like, like what is it and it's out in the middle of nowhere and just it doesn't make sense and everything's filthy right from the get-go and just ugh. well and that's the question and and i have critiqued people on the internet for like asking for explanations of the plot with a film like us um because i'm like okay sometimes that isn't relevant to a movie but like a movie like this that is set in just gross reality like and this is something that they ask in wrong turn is how do they get away with this (laughs) yeah in texas chainsaw like i mean in wrong turn it makes sense because it's like middle of west virginia maybe it makes sense but that so many people have gone missing and nobody seems to have noticed but Texas Chainsaw, like they run, it's almost like House of Wax, except the town is actually abandoned in House of Wax. In Texas Chainsaw, they run the entire town. Yeah. Like the convenience store, the mill, they have the giant fucking mansion. Like, it doesn't, what? (laughs) It doesn't make, it doesn't make sense. If you're going to set it in like straight up reality, it has to make some kind of sense. Like in the original film, they were all normal enough. Yes. You know what I mean? And it's like the the hitchhiker gets it like here you have the suicidal you know victim in the car and in the original they pick up the hitchhiker and he's a little weird and he progressively gets weirder and weirder y'all like hedgies yeah he pulls out the knife and like cuts himself and cuts franklin and all this other stuff but at the gas station like sally goes there to find help because it's normal enough. Like they go there early on to get gas and everything and everything seems fine. Franklin buys some food and eats it at this gas station. Whereas in this remake, they go inside and there's like pig heads in a case with flies all over it and the food's all rotting and no one would think that was a normal convenience store. No. At all. 
Yeah, and that's what it, it makes sense that it, it, it there is a sense of like shock and like oh my god he's working with them and he's selling human barbecue in the first one, right? But then in this one, yeah, you would know from the get go. Of course, crazy fucking convenience store grandma's in on it. Like, it, yeah, you wouldn't think that was an actual place of business. And then the sheriff shows up and it's like, let's wrap the body in saran wrap and ugh, she's kind of yeah. wet down below. If you know what I mean? And it's like. Uh, you're not yeah. gonna think he's actually the sheriff like like you're gonna know not to go in the trailer with Anne Haitian my 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 lady like <laughs> I always who, think who, that's Anne Haitian it never is I wish it was <laughs> and like when you get into their trailer and the entire like if if, if we're gonna believe that there's just these cute two tea drinking lesbians in their trailer like maybe the set design shouldn't just be creepy ass maps and photographs of dead families covering the walls (laughs) yes yeah and it's like but the thing the characters it takes them so long to realize something's not going on whereas the audience is like knows it right away and then that, that doesn't create any kind of tension and that's that was my initial because it's a long time before Leatherface's Leatherface first pops up with the chainsaw when the guy's going bring it son bring it yeah um, and I even wrote in my notes literally until that point the movie is a whole lot of weirdos and a whole lot of kids wandering around their house forever yes. like yeah and and it's just there's no tension it's just gross it's just so so weird and so, and it just makes me feel sweaty <laughs> not in a good way like right, the yeah and you know and like i mean it's interesting to just compare and contrast when it's like yeah there's no tension original original they go to this house for help there's like an engine running out front weird noise they go in and kirk is in the house and he hears like a weird noise and then that door opens and leatherface is there with oh. the mallet oh that's and... the worst part it scares me yeah it's like it builds tension and because it looks like a normal house pam gets off the swing and goes inside to look for it. i know i'm like harping on this but it takes her a long time to realize it's not quite right so there's tension because then the audience knows it's not right but it makes sense that the characters don't. Whereas this, it's like, you just walked into a house that's full of, like, dead bodies. And you're like, yeah, dead- can I use your phone? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Literally while being greeted by, like, the backwoods Adams family. And you right. don't have a single question about it. Yeah. <laughs> wrong turn i'm like bitch go pee outside like if i opened that door and it smells the way it surely must smell and i looked around and there was just rot everything was rotting and gross and covered in slime i'd be like you know what i'd rather just pee in my pants quite frankly yeah 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 when you see an old grand old timey gramophone next to finger soup like yeah. are you gonna <laughs> want yeah i bet this place has toilet paper i'll go here right i'm sure the bathroom looks great like, oh my god. Yeah, they didn't show that. <laughs> yeah. Like, I just, I don't know. So it's just, it's a different way of, I don't know. It just, it sucks. It's really funny, though, when Leatherface puts on Eric Balfour's face and then Jessica Beale sees it for the first time, like her dead boyfriend, and yeah. he turns and looks at her with <laughs> Eric Balfour's face. Yeah. 
<laughs> I started laughing so hard. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Jessica Biel gives it her all. She does the best she can. I loved, I, I loved um, her chopping off his arm with the cleaver. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, how do you surprise someone with a chainsaw? I have always had this question. Yeah. Like... Well, if it's like the film Pieces, uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> either the girl gets in with the killer or the killer gets in with the girl. They're in an elevator and he just hides it behind his back. It's just, I, well done, all of you stealthy chainsaw wielders. I, <laughs> yeah. I, like, I admire your skills. I like when uh, Jessica Biel's character, like, ends up in the slaughterhouse. Like, that was a thing in the original, is like, I gotta stop comparing and contrasting, but I can't help it, because I love the original so much. It's like, yeah, slaughterhouse, people were losing their jobs. And that maybe gave a reason why they would turn to these desperate measures. You uh-huh. know what I mean? Versus this one where it's like the Blair meat company all lit up machinery is running, but there's nobody there. Like, is this an actual slaughterhouse or not? That's what I was trying to figure out. Like, okay. And you have pigs everywhere. So like you could eat the pigs. Yeah. Yeah. There Although, was a lot of meat just hanging there. And then Jessica. I'm glad. Beale... Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, I'm glad they didn't eat the pigs because the pigs were the, the best part of the movie. They were really cute. There were lots yeah. of pigs. Oh, cute. yeah, there were a lot of pigs. Yeah, Continue. I'm so sorry. The, the meat that was hanging, I just loved that Jessica Biel was like, ah, take two steps. Ah, ah, ah. Yes. Like, yeah, just, it was like a haunted house with hanging yeah. meat. <laughs> yeah. It just, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. No. Her popping out to cut cut his arm off that cleaver? Uh, Is that how physics works when you're fighting a man with a chainsaw? Probably not, but I loved it. Right. Uh, And that ending, the ending is fantastic. Like, it's the one satisfying thing in the movie is her running over that sheriff and then running him over again and then running him over again. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's why, in my mind, I remembered liking the movie. It was because I really like the ending. Because it's the only thing worth watching. Yeah. I think I just remembered Jessica Biel in that tank top, quite frankly. You know? Sometimes, sometimes it's kinder. It's kinder. <laughs> My feelings about that have not changed. I will say that. <laughs> but mostly it just made me want to watch the original again. Because the original yeah. is a masterpiece. So Yeah, it made me... I will admit it made me want to um, go back to it, even though it fucking creeps me out so much and i don't like it's creepy it's creepy as shit it's i think it's terrifying i think it's probably one of the scariest if not i mean maybe halloween for me at the time halloween doesn't scare me at all anymore but texas chainsaw still creeps me right the fuck out it's just gross it feels sleazy yeah and and it's there's a difference in the sleaze between these two and i don't know what that is but in this it's it's yeah i think it's just the do you feel disgusted yet? Put your hands in the bowl of eyeballs. <laughs> yeah. 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 I just, I think about that, the opening of this new one with the, you know, the news footage, like the police reel footage. And it's like, so stupid. that is an iMovie filter, the vintage filter that they put over it. It's like, so, with, yeah. Yeah. It's just really a- poorly done. Put it in black and white. Do the do the best you can in making it look like the Blair Witch with how the camera drops, and then make John Larroquette talk. Like, yeah, so... <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just We're, lazy. The original, I think, was just 
magic like i think the planets aligned for that film you had some really great actors who gave it their all despite the fact that they were literally physically suffering throughout that film yeah Um, oh great cinematographer who actually i believe was the same cinematographer for this one but incredible cinematographer incredible set dresser toby oper knew what he was doing and it just it's you know it's one of the all-time greats yeah no budget so you you make do with you know you have to be creative when you don't have a budget oh versus millions of dollars and uh michael bay telling you what to do in the background (laughs) yeah man i saw that platinum dunes logo and i was like, like like just reflexively like i can't help it still better than the friday the 13th remake for sure uh but oh my god yeah yeah this one i was i was just not here for it does not hold up does not hold up i'm done with it i'm done with it do you think leatherface has a little easy bake oven (laughs) like next to his sewing machine i hope so i just loved seeing him at his little sewing machine like with his little foot on the pedal yeah, <laughs> the easy bake is where he makes his finger food. <laughs> oh, but having finger food! It's witch's hair. <laughs> Put your hands in the cold <laughs> spaghetti. Yeah, yeah. That's, like, that's this movie. It's just Skin. all unsanitary. Like you don't have to kill Leatherface. He's gonna die of cholera before too long. Like living Skin in these houses. Skin disease. Sweet, sweet boy. Skin disease. Skin disease. <laughs> you know what they say. <laughs> Made his nose fall right off. Skin disease. <laughs> the fuck is this movie? <laughs> How the hell did I come out of this episode loving House of Wax? <laughs> and that was my takeaway. Yeah. Wow. I'm not I, th- I figured you would like House of Wax. I was surprised I liked House of Wax as much as I did the first time I saw it. So I'm yeah. glad it held up for me. And I haven't seen it so many times. Like, I've seen Wrong Turn quite a few times at this point. Mm-hmm. House of Wax, I haven't worn myself out on it. I yeah, guess. that's the thing is, you said you're done with these movies at the beginning. And I agree with Wrong Turn and Texas Chainsaw. But House of Wax, I'm like... You know, that was just my first viewing. Maybe I could watch it again. Right. Well, if <laughs> we do enjoy, a really episode, it. I'll have to watch it again. I don't know what else exactly. we could say about it in another episode. It's not Suspiria. Like, I don't know that it needs another we, episode, but... We didn't talk about her tracksuits. That's true. She wears so a tracksuit. There's always material. <laughs> yeah. I love her. Yeah. She's perfect. She's perfect. What do you... So these movies... Something that I was really interested in that I kept talking to Jason about as I forced him to watch these with me (laughs) is like these... And this sort of comes off of that that talk about like the sort of post 9-11 descent into like body... Just bodies and viscera and grossness. Um, But like all of these films, interestingly enough, are a fear of rural America yes like yeah there's backwoods there's rednecks there's and what do you what do you think that is like culturally as a symbol or symptom like what are they why is this 
post 9-11, why are we afraid of America, of backwoods America? Like, what is that? And I'm like thinking in terms of how we look at films over lengths of time and like how they tend to predict things, like what, like, is this us being afraid of what was going to happen, which what rural America and coal miners were going to do to us in 2016? Like, yeah. <laughs> what, what well, is this also, about? There was also the rise of rural Americans as sideshow attractions in reality television. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. You know, it wasn't just horror, but it's like, and I mean, it, it's even continued up until just a couple of years ago. You have like Honey Boo Boo and Duck Dynasty and all of these things oh. that are like, you know, rednecks for all intents and purposes. And mm-hmm. and we're watching it because look at the way she feeds her children. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's so they fucked eat up. Butter. It's so fucked up. And on one hand, it's like people tend to, I mean, look, Honey Boo Boo is its own thing. I do think the mother is a big piece of shit. But it's like people were denigrating that show because like rightfully, like that shouldn't really be our entertainment. But they were denigrating it because they were like, these people are gross. Whereas it's like, what about the people who are watching it and who are entertained because they think these people are gross? Yeah. It's like poverty porn, basically. Yes. Yes. You know? And so I think these movies maybe predicted that a little bit. Hmm. That's interesting. Like, I think the backwoods thing has always been, like, you have, like, Just Before Dawn, and you have Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and, like, you know, Deliverance, and all these movies where we've always been afraid of, like, who's lurking in the hills of West Virginia? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's like, they just... They just don't have teeth and they're poor. That's all. Yeah, that's all there is to it. That's all there is to it. But yeah, they never they never pan past the rednecks to like in like wrong turn to then see like Dolly Parton's family. Like (laughs) you never see that. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, I was really interested in that. Like, especially because I could, I don't know, the dis, like the torture porn and with hostile and stuff, it feels it feels very much like about xenophobia, which I right. can I could get post nine eleven and like with the Afghanistan and Iraq wars, like I get that American xenophobia and what's culturally where that comes from, but this sort of turning on rural America and making it like this sideshow freak show gross thing, I'm just like, what is that? Where is that coming from? I don't know if it's a conscious thing, but it's like after 9-11, you did have, I mean, and we're still feeling it today, like you said, with 2016, but sort of the rise of rural America as a political force. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like post 9-11, you had the patriotism became the big thing. Yeah, yeah, gotta yeah. love America. And Toby Keith is out here singing his fucking songs and Buddha Buddha your ass. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and like yeah, and, proud to be an American. And it's like NASCAR culture and all of that really started to grow. Well, and post nine eleven, something that a lot of people forget and or don't know if they weren't even born yet. It's like if you were against Bush or the Iraq War, like you were labeled a terrorist. <laughs> like, yeah. Freedom fries it, were a fucking thing. Freedom fries and freedom ticklers. Yeah. <laughs> freedom kissing. 
That's like, I was, I, I think I asked Jason at one point, I was like, is this like, is this our own, like, it's like fear of, of Bush and his like sort of hillbillying the government? Like what? Right. That's what I mean. What it's like, I don't happening? know. It's, I don't know if it's conscious, but like, that's like America has hillbillied up since yeah. then in a big way it's like what are you doing reading a book that's elitist (laughs) you know like knowing things has become elitist and you know like real americans like i'm afraid of real americans at this point you know oh yeah for sure so i mean Anybody that calls themselves an American is terrifying to me. No kidding. And I just, I feel like that it's always been there, but it's, it's definitely been on the rise since 9-11 and there's no going back at this point. Yeah. Like, I mean, you forget about how crazy politics have been since 9-11. It's like you have Michelle Bachman having to declare that she's not a witch. Oh my God. You know, Michelle Bachman. Like, remember that when we had to worry about her and Sarah Palin, you know, has maverick. Yeah, what a maverick. But like a huge reason why this country is in the shitter now, you know? Yeah, it's that. Yeah, it's that weird pandering to like we were talking about that last episode, that faux forgotten America, which is like it's not forgotten. It's just maybe there are better technologies than coal <laughs> right. and, and maybe you shouldn't just be allowed to be in the clan yeah yeah <laughs> i'm sorry i'm invisibilizing you <laughs> <laughs> yeah but some things are not okay yeah you know and that's just the way it is but to um, to that kind of american being a patriot is about loving this idea of america and putting a pair of like fake testicles on the back of your truck that has the american flag in the back window versus like the fact that our country comprises the people that live in the country and that's what should matter the most wait a second it's what what? kind of political garbage am i listening to (laughs) it's true i mean 9-11 did us in man it It really really did. did it really did because it caused us to do ourselves in. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. We went from the Clinton era and, 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 and all that to. We backslid. We don't even, we don't even know who we are anymore. And now the, and nostalgia and go back to what America was before nine 11. And, and then the invented mythos of what that America was and what it could be. And mm-hmm. conflated with this fear, this xenophobia and, and then that xenophobia gets placed on anybody that doesn't subscribe to that idea of what America was and yeah. is supposed to be, be again. Yeah. <clears throat> and it's reflected in horror and even like nostalgia. Like after these movies, we really started getting nostalgia. Like the dude bro era yep. was like, like <clears throat> do away with all the stuff from the nineties and let's go back to when horror was real horror, <laughs> you know, make horror great again. It was making horror great again. Yeah. You know? Because God, who, do, who, who, who is urban legends going to appeal to? Like you think about the target audience for those kind of movies. I, I mean, well, one could argue. 
I am the sole target audience. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, you know, and I think those part of those that era, the 90s era was a response to Titanic, the film, when we realized that teenage girls have money and teenage girls are willing to spend that money repeatedly if they like something. Oh, yeah. Well, and I was actually interested in um, sort of the horror hate, uh, well, in the hate around Twilight. Um, I'm not a Twilight fan. I love that I'm like going to almost sort of defend it and then explain that I'm not a fan. Um, But like so much of of Twilight in that occurrence was like hate and, and, and this young adult, but designed for women or for younger girls kind of thing is it's like so hated on, not because of its content as much as because it's something that young women like. Right. And because they're exercising um, capital by getting behind it purchasing it yeah. uh, and that's a threat to to men <laughs> yeah Ti- uh, twilight was the titanic of the horror genre yeah you know titanic did so much money because it was like teenage girls with their fucking babysitting money like going to see leonardo dicaprio over and over and over again because they thought he was so cute yeah you know? <laughs> and then james cameron confuses that with him being a good director <laughs> <laughs> And Twilight was that, and it was more horror gatekeeping of like, like I, you know, whatever. I love Kristen Stewart to the end of the earth. Twilight is not good. Like it's just no, it's bad. Not the target, the target audience either. And so some people in the horror community just would harp on Twilight like repeatedly, and it's like, what are you getting out of this except fueling the hate for this movie that isn't directed at you anyway? Yeah, it's not made for you, and what does it hurt you that people enjoy it? Right. Yeah, it doesn't have, like, I mean, well, it does have some bad messages, I think. It, I mean, it's... it's, it's <laughs> I was going to say, it doesn't have bad, but it kind of does. It's but, Mormon uh, yeah, sh- yeah. shit fiction. Yeah. But, I mean, but at the same time, like, I mean, this extends to, like, Hunger Games or to any, you know, anything that's designed for younger people that they just enjoy and have fun with. It. Right. <laughs> it's so maligned. Yeah. I've already seen backlash against the trailer for scary stories to tell in the dark from horror fans that are like, this looks stupid and this, why are they doing And it's like, it's for children. Hi, every Star Wars fan in the world. I know that all of us who grew up with the original trilogy love Star Wars, but guess what? Those movies were for children and you liked them yeah. because you were a child when you saw them and you had all the toys. Mm-hmm. And maybe still have all the toys. <laughs> Which is totally fine, but it's like, who's the target audience here? You know, I just think the horror is so there's so many different we've talked about it, so many different kinds of horror fans. And there's so much gatekeeping in the genre. And there are no right kinds of horror fans, but but there are and there are wrong kinds of horror fans, too. It's these (laughs) fucking bros. These yeah. shitty rockabilly bros that just want to go back to gross, 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 horror, gross, 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 nasty ass, to, to this genre that never existed. And this and it's the same people that say, like, like in the last episode, you know, you talked about, like, people that, like, why can't a horror movie just be horror? Or why can't it just be horror again? And it's like, right. you don't, you don't know where this genre came from. This genre has always, always been about talking about otherness and talking about social ills like you can't go off on us and how you don't want this political message when it's serving literally like more or less the same message of night of the living dead 
Yeah, like Get Out was not the first horror movie with a fucking political message. And so for people yeah, to right. act like it is either right. way, like the people who were like, oh my God, this is elevated horror. It has something to say. Oh my God. And then the other people who were like, I don't want politics in my horror movie. It's like, do you fucking like Dawn of the Dead? Do you like anything that George Romero ever did? You yeah. know, it's like name a fucking horror movie from the past that you love. And there's probably a political message in there somewhere. Yeah, every single Shining, Rosemary's Baby, Stepford Wives, which also is Get Out. Like, they all, I mean, fucking Dracula, Bride of Frankenstein. Yeah. Like, yeah. the very, like, Nosferatu, F.W. Murnau was talking about his fucking homosexuality. Like, yeah. it's just, god damn it, read a fucking book, people. Wow, I am obsessed. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <laughs> It's true. Like, know your fucking history. And then those are the people flapping their gums the loudest are the ones who feel that they're the true horror fans because they love, like, you know, fucking watching a woman get her tits cut off or something. Yeah. Horror movies yep. need violence and they need tits. Well, that is true. <laughs> it's a. It's true, though. It's a thing. Um, it is a thing. It is a deep thing. And and if anything else like at least we are getting horror is stronger than ever in being about something and yes. and and the movies that i've been seeing have consistently been blowing me away with their messages i mean we still get the we still get the stinkers sure. uh, but i i'm shocked that like last year you know there were a lot of stinkers but i felt like over the last five years, there have been a lot more great movies that I really have that have just skyrocketed at the top of my list than the movies that where I'm like, why are you wasting my time with this? Right. Well, horror is almost getting a bit of a do over. You know, yeah. it's like early on, all of these people saying something with their horror movies. It's like they were the straight white dudes mostly uh-huh uh-huh you know and now we're at a point where it's very diverse voices who have something to say as well and so it's yeah. like we're almost starting at another kind of ground zero for horror movies and it's great it's great unless you just want to watch you know naked women get murdered and if that's Which is all my, your my idea next kickstarter yeah <laughs> if that's <laughs> you, you know if that's your idea of a horror movie if that's all you think the genre can be and that's all you want from it you're probably not going to be super happy but there's still shit out there for you there's still a ton of shit for you i can recommend a hundred straight to video releases yeah like... <laughs> yeah but there are more voices with something to say and they're making generally a different kind of horror movie so and and another thing you know is to remember nobody owns the genre right um well, I'm sorry, except for the women and queer people that invented it. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Why are we the gatekeepers? Yeah, man. You know? Yeah, man. <laughs> In stately Gaylord's Manor, there's our gate back there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think, I don't know. It's, a, it's an interesting era of horror that ushered in some real shit yeah yeah it's like the I, pre ray the pre dude bro era dude bro was on the horizon and it's like we started to get more violent meanwhile you also had like j horror was a big thing 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We mentioned New French Extremity and totally dropped J Horror. Yeah. Yeah. J Horror was probably at its peak at that point, too. All these different things. And then we just kind of backslid and we're like, I love to watch people get their eyeballs poked out. And when they get there, when they're tied to a chair and then someone comes in with a pair of pliers and pulls their toenails off. That's what I love. Well, before they put the little needles under the toenails and then they pull the toenails off. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like I know someone who complained that Martyrs wasn't explicit enough. Uh, Go fuck off. Like, they literally I, were like, I don't understand why everybody thinks that movie's so brutal. She just face a, face a bunch. And fucking flayed alive. Yeah. Well, the tor- I, it was like the torture stuff that they didn't think was extreme enough. Like, I don't know if they wanted more extreme or they were just surprised. And it's like, yeah, that's kind of the point. Like, I mean, I'm not going to go into every reason why it's kind of the point. But, you know, it's not medieval implements pulling someone's eyelids off. You know what I mean? There's an you know, intimacy you know what? all of it. You know what I'm going to say to the to the sir that voiced that concern? And I'm, I feel fairly confident in assuming it's a sir. It was a ma'am. What? It was a ma'am. It was a ma'am. Oh, internalized misogyny oh, is a hell of a yeah. drug. Yeah, for sure. Work on your relationship with your mother, which is yeah. what I was gonna say to, <laughs> which is what I was gonna say to the sir. But it goes both no. All ways. of that applies in this case. Work on your goddamn relationship with your mother. <laughs> Women can be misogynists too, <laughs> and that's what makes me even more irritated. Is like, and at conventions, is like seeing the women that play into that fucking toxic bullshit, mm-hmm. and like do the flirty thing with dudes who are super gross and abusive, and just like, what the fuck? <laughs> yes. Well, because that's Ugh. that's how they get their validation, you know. It's I just, have no feelings. I mean, you know, they're just as misogynist because they don't think they have any value outside of what a boy thinks of them. Which is really sad. And, like, I shouldn't it's be really coming sad. for them. But, like, when you're empowering that thing by by not challenging it, and sure, maybe you don't have a safe space to challenge it or you don't have a, you don't know that you even have a voice. But, like... Right. Oh, man, it makes me irritated. But that's why that's, you know women are the ones changing the tide in horror right now and that will just continue to ripple and affect other women and other people and yes yeah early 2000s who knew that uh because watching these movies i was like huh i don't know that i have much to say about the movies themselves but the era in which like like looking at them on the timeline yeah spurred some shit and i mean that's kind of what we addressed but it's interesting to me oh get out that red string baby we're in Mm -hmm. for a ride (laughs) yeah Yeah, i that's what i was besides the fact of how much i loved house of wax and that peanut butter and paris hilton i was (laughs) i was very much like most fascinated by this era and what is this fear of rural america and what does it mean yeah um and that's why i love horror you know is that we can look at at what it says about us as as a people and who we are and where we're going and i i i think it's it is the best genre for doing it and i love it for that reason well i think more than probably any other film genre the trends are very obvious and while you're in the midst of a trend you might not understand what it means like you might need hindsight to kind of put it in context and figure out where it is but the trends in horror are so obvious and when you look at 
film release dates, you can almost like demarcate this is the period like Scream to such and such a movie is like the 90s teen era. You know, Halloween to whatever is the early slasher period. Like it's just well defined yeah. chunks of time on this continuum. And it's really interesting. Yeah. So I love it. Yeah. That's why we're doing a horror podcast. Shut up. We are not. (laughs) Hey, Stacey, we got a listener question. We do. We sure do. Uh, Oh, boy. Yeah. This week's question comes from Matt's. Matt's is Matt Strandberg, who (gasps) he's a writer. He's a Swedish author and he sent us a copy of his book called blood cruise and i just finished it like two nights ago and it's so good did you (laughs) love it i actually really loved it it's like it's huge it's like 500 pages long or something it's basically vampires on a cruise ship like a booze cruise an overnight booze cruise and it's not like you know knock knock it's me dracula can i come into your cabin it's like (laughs) Yeah, that's my slash fiction that I write. (laughs) Yeah, no, this is like super brutal, like mayhem on a cruise ship. There's a huge cast of characters and they're all really wonderful. And I found myself caring about a lot of them and like hoping this one would live and this one would die and blah, blah, blah. And it's just it was I really enjoyed it. So thank you for sending that, Matt. Oh, my God. I haven't read it yet and I cannot wait to dive in. Uh-huh. Uh, that's on water which is why i made that reference you're gonna um, read a book that's pretty elitist don't you think i know can you believe it i'll have to do it away from uh any of my maverick relatives um <laughs> I, thank you thank you matt's for sending us that book that's so sweet also like i love our swedish following I don't know why we have such a following in Sweden, but we do. Like, we what do we appeal do. to in Swedish gay culture? That you know, we've got whatever the Swedes, you know, in terms of like Jerry Lu- Jerry Lewis and the French. Like, we are that for the oh, Swedish people. So, like David Hasselhoff and the Germans. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think it's you know because we're equitable and we fit into a very small, nice package of plywood, just like at IKEA. That could, yeah, that works. Yeah, I'm I'm difficult to put together yeah and you come with many um wood spindles i come with a lot of you need an allen wrench (laughs) it's a lot of baby arms to get on it's a lot of baby arms to attach (laughs) chances are it's gonna fall apart the first time you put something heavy on it (laughs) well now that now that we've conflated our fans in sweden with their their best known export chain franchise yeah yeah. And we do truly love you. And thank you, Matt, for uh, the book and this question. Yes. This question. <laughs> what is the best slash worst motivation for the killer that you've ever seen in a slasher? Oh, I love this question. It's it really, really hard. It got me thinking a lot. Much like these movies. I Like I just the movies today and this question today really got me thinking about the genre itself. Yeah. And I like that. There's a lot of slashers out there. There is a lot of of childhood traumas that need to be retributed. (laughs) Is that a word? Uh, I don't think so, but it is now. I don't think so, but it works in my not usage. Avenged? Uh, 
Avenged, and there are a ton, a ton. Lord knows I love me a killer monologue, and there are a ton of killer monologues out there. So, like, yeah. there's a lot of material to look at here. Yeah. Well, I thought, I was like, what are the types of motivations for killers in slasher movies? It's like, it's usually revenge for something, for something to the, kill, to the killer themselves or to someone they love. Yes. Um, it's revenge for that. It's a territorial thing, like your wrong turn, like your Texas Chainsaw Massacre, like wrong place, wrong time, get off my lawn <laughs> kind of thing. Side note. Oh, here comes T Boz. I wish. I do too. I love TLC. Or it's unexplained in that you're Michael Myers type. Like there's no motive because he's just like the embodiment of evil, or there's no motive because they're crazy thrill killers. Yeah, there's just bonkers town. Bonkers town. So I'm like, what appeals to me as a viewer? Uh, I like a no motive person, depending on how it's done, because that's kind of more scary in real life to think that it could just be anybody coming up and killing you for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, and a motive... I enjoy watching them, but also the the nerd part of me is like, just because somebody played a prank on you doesn't mean you should murder them. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like terror trade. Like, I understand it was a very traumatizing prank that they played on him, but he didn't have to murder like 12 people because of it, you know? Well, you know, April 2nd, the day after April Fool's Day is the day of universal bloodshed. Uh, It's when we all get vengeance for those pranks that were played on us. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't, I mean, I don't know. Maybe terror train isn't a super great motive. I do like terror train a lot because it's weird. Yeah. Yeah. It's with that great, uh, what, uh, what's his name? Mask. Um, Gene Shallot. Gene, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a Gene Shallot mask. It is. It is. <laughs> but like the burning, like, okay, they, like, they set you on fire. Like that to me is a pretty. I still don't believe in murder, but, you know, like, if you're going to murder somebody for a thing they do to you, like, that's a pretty big one. I can't wait for the episode where you just come out and say, okay, I do believe in murder now. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I wasn't into murder, but after watching the New York Ripper, I just think maybe murder's (laughs) fine. Maybe murder is for me. Haven't you heard? Murder's in. Murder's in, kids. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I mean, in the burning, at least they went about it very, you know, they did their research on on historical um, witchcraft and hands of glory, right? So, like, (laughs) at least they did some research in their prank. Yeah, well, that's true. So, wait, is that your... So, I don't know. I mean, I guess, like, Halloween I like, you know, where he's just totally evil. Um, Oh, and then I wrote down, which urban legend is it? Final Cut where somebody's motivation is like, they just want to win a film award. (laughs) Like, I think that's entertaining, but like, I don't know that you need to murder people for that. Like, I think that's pretty bad motivation. I mean, well, but then like, there's some that sort of play off that. Like Kurt isn't curtains. The whole thing is just that she's going to get that part. She wants the part. Yeah. 
but it's like but she's such a she's so great right and it's such a good movie that i'm like there's varying levels of that where i'm like sometimes it works and i believe it and other times really that's what you just wanted a fucking award yeah it's the execution it's the same thing with the thrill killers like i guess scream they're basically thrill killers right Uh, it's uh, yes yeah yeah swept away swept away but it i actually for my for worst motivation i put all the scream films yeah because it's like the motivation when we get to scream is because it's just like so anti-woman and so gross where it's like okay marine prescott slept with some guy and now everyone must die right (laughs) because you broke up my parents marriage yeah and then in the sequel (laughs) Like, I love Laurie Metcalf. I actually rewatched Scream 2 not too long ago, and it really didn't hold up for me. Um, but I love Laurie Metcalf. Like, I'm fucking flying to New York to see her play Hillary Clinton in a couple weeks. Yeah. But, like, really? Like, oh, she's Billy's mom, and she's still upset that her relationship got it ruined, and then her son got killed, and that's what she... And then this, the third one, where it's the brother, and he's upset because he didn't have a mom, because his mom was screwing people what yeah. and the, the fourth one where they're upset because her mom was uh, screwed other people and therefore they wanted to be famous now too like what <laughs> it's just yeah yeah or like pieces i mean i guess there's a little child abuse but mostly it's like you saw your mom have sex oh yeah that's true but at the same time execution but execution is, is bonkers it's, pieces is unbelievable i love that movie so much so it's oh, like it it's is a sheer joy like, it's it's definitely like what's the execution how is it handled do i like the movie itself yeah, i'll excuse yeah. just about like urban legend final cut not a very good movie so i'm like that's really stupid but curtains i'm like well of course she killed all those people girls gotta get apart girls gotta get apart do you know how hard it is to get a she's gonna have to keep waitressing in new york forever it's tough out there for an actress (laughs) um my best motivations i came up with a couple uh number one at the top of my list is mary lou because she's just a dick (laughs) (laughs) she is a fucking dick and i am here for her journey uh (laughs) Mrs. Voorhees, because she's it's just classic. It really and, is. And no one sells a killer monologue like that fucking queen. Um, yeah. I kind of had a little shit post here, and uh, my sh- inner shit poster also chose Billy from Black Christmas, because there is no motivation, and it's fucking terrifying. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Sleepaway Camp. I love Angela and I am a firm believer she does not kill people because of gender dysmorphia. Like I believe Angela is trans and she just kills people who are assholes to her. And (laughs) (laughs) I fully support that journey. Well, I think that journey is especially in sleepaway camp too. Like she tells, she tells everybody why she kills them. And it's basically like you're doing drugs. I'm going to kill you. You yeah. have a bad mouth. I'm she is Judge you. Judy and Executioner. She really is. And I love her. I love her. I love those movies. We'll have to dive into those three movies. 
I only only three. Uh, I the fourth one was so bad. I don't. I oh, the fourth one is terrible. Like we can we can talk about the three movies and then talk about the Felissa Rose twist at the end of the fourth one and just that. Like right. it's terrible. Yeah. yeah. Even the third one isn't that great, but I do love the opening sequence where mm-hmm. there's that weird girl from New York who she's like. You hear me, Ma? Today's the day I'm going to camp. I'm going to that <laughs> camp today. <laughs> and she's just, like, really scuzzy. And then, like, Angela basically, like, somehow steals her entire outfit, like, puts on a wig, dresses just like her, and then steals a garbage truck just to run this girl over so she can steal her identity. <laughs> like, I'm really here for the opening of Sleepaway Camp 3, but the rest of it isn't very good, but... I mean, but Pamela Springsteen, oh, she's yeah. just, she's it. Yeah, yeah. She's it. She's it. So there you go. Yeah. Wow. There's a whole lot of answers there. Whole lot of answers. There's a whole lot of killers out there and a whole lot of monologues. <sighs> yeah, a whole lot Voorhees. of childhood trauma. Mrs. Voorhees does have the best monologue, right? Like, she, honestly, like, I mean, th- when I think of the best killer monologues, I think Mrs. Voorhees, I think <laughs> Rebecca Gaylor. Brenda Bates, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Brenda Bates. Because <laughs> I have to tie her into every list of question I answer. <laughs> but I honestly, Mrs. like, who else is there? Yeah, Mrs. Voorhees doesn't feel like a monologue. Like, it is a monologue, but it's, I think she's such a great actress that it feels, and she's so oh. hitting emotional beats in that monologue that it doesn't feel like just five minutes of her talking you know no it's not a monologue it's not it's not it's not even a scene it's an entire it's act three of the movie it is a yeah. powerhouse and she yeah. is so good <laughs> yeah and it's also a wonderful moment when alice like realizes that this woman isn't here to help her like it's so oh, i love friday the 13th man it's so well done it's great yeah it is fucking great um yeah i really i what other monologues are there i can't even think of any that are that good yeah roy burns could have used a monologue <laughs> he really could have used talk a about bad motivation right Roy Burns. He, he is right there on my list of worst motivation yeah. and that's the thing the killer mon it is all about execution and how that monologue is delivered slash if there's a monologue because his his like his motivation is not that different from pamela's not at all by any means it's the same but instead of like an emotional an emotional monologue he just has a photo of himself in his wallet (laughs) 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 which i love and is my favorite thing in the history of ever listen roy was a man of few words stacy he really was he really was (laughs) bless him (laughs) (laughs) well if you enjoyed this lengthy uh discussion episode well you can rate us on wherever you can rate things where do you listen to this podcast i bet there's a place to rate us on it right itunes stitcher podcast Er, any website that ends with an R and does not have the E before the R, yeah. rate us on it. <laughs> yeah, you can rate us, give us a review, like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Gaylords of Darkness. You can also recommend us on Facebook. More and more people keep doing this, and I love, they're like I mini it. reviews. It makes me I really love happy seeing them. I, yeah. 
Well, I like that. Like, I like that people listen to this. Like, it's a nice thing when someone says, "Hey, I listen to your show and I like it." Yeah, our listeners are the sweetest, and I just love every message, every comment, every review we get. Also, I am entirely self-serving because we get books sent to us from Sweden. That was um, such a good book, Blood Cruise, baby. I- Oh my god, I also was granted a private viewing of a 15th century edition of the Malleus Maleficarum, um, aka The Hammer of the Witches, the book that was used by Inquisitors to hunt women down and torture them. Um, I got treated to a private viewing of that at the Portland State University Library Archives because the amazing, amazing queen librarian uh, is a Gaylords of Darkness fan. What?! Yeah, and has has been following one Miss Stacy Ponder for years, and then picked up Gaylord's Darkness, and then just knew my friend Heather and welcomed us down to come check out the Malleus Maleficarum. That's amazing. So, like, listen, listeners, you can treat us in many other ways too. We accept <laughs> private viewings of haunted grimoires. We accept books. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> All this to say. I love our listeners and I do too. Uh, I really do. Thank you for the love. All the different ways you show it. It really means a lot to us. Yeah. If you have a question, <laughs> ask it. <gasps> yeah, send it to us at Gaylords at Gaylordsofdarkness.com. Yeah. Or drop it in the DMs, Instagram, Facebook. Mm-hmm. Not Snapchat though. I'm not on there. No, we're not gonna accept Snapchats. <laughs> My cyber world is my business. <laughs> wow, for a haunted tome made out of skin, it's so loosely structured, yet informative. I know, right? Uh, is it over? It's glowing and spinning on its own, so I'm gonna guess yes. Ah, oh, oh my god! god. Oh, oh my god! god. Tune in next time for more Gaylords of Darkness! Yeah! <laughs>